as we are standing on this holy ground, what a privilege, Lord, that we are singing the praise of the eternal King. And Lord, as the hymn writer reminded us, all glory be to Christ. He is the victorious King over sin, death, and hell, and he shall reign forever and ever. And here we are, O God, coming in the house of God, sitting under the authority of your word, learning and leaning on your promises, merciful God, your Holy Spirit who penned these words, open our eyes and understanding that we may behold your glory. Here we are, Lord, hungry, thirsty, and you can satisfy us. We commit our life in your loving hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. What an awesome privilege to sing and worship our God. All glory be to Christ, our King. There is nothing better than that. And Psalm 150, verse 22 or 23 reminds us, Whosoever offereth praise glorifieth me. What a joy. What a joy. We will never stop praising the Lord. And you better practice now, otherwise you'll be out of space in the heaven. We have been learning from Job chapter 2. We are going to conclude today and jump into chapter 3. It's a wonderful chapter. Uh, last Lord's Day, we just tried to hurry up the life applications from chapter 2. And then we learn that every person deals with temptation. We all encounter temptation. And how? What, what do we do? Expect it. It will come. We are not superhuman that we are not going to encounter temptation. Temptation is like a bird flying over your head, but you never make them nest on your head. Temptation is always like that. So we expect temptation. But how to deal with temptation is important. So expect temptation. Secondly, but when you expect the temptation, remember the battle is the Lord's. It is the Lord's battle, not yours or mine. And then secondly, the one who dwells with us is the greatest than the one who is in this world. So when you expect the temptation, remember the battle is the Lord's. Lean on him. And then secondly, the one who dwells in us is the greatest and the mightiest than the world ever encounters. So don't be intimidated when the temptation comes. Like David, I will go. Secondly, detect, like, like uh, discern, discern. And you know, God's people must measure everything by the unfailing standard of God's truth. God's truth. The word of God is the only one who can help us to understand and discern. And thirdly, when the temptation comes, try to reject, try to reject by the word of God. The word of God has given us everything pertaining temptation. Jesus encountered, that's why the father allowed Jesus to go through tempt, being tempted so we can learn from him. We can learn the word of God is enough. Well, having said that, there are three important words we need to focus in this, four important words. Number one, in chapter two, Elohim. The word Elohim is uh, used throughout the Bible. Uh, what does Elohim means? His power and might. 
Elohim, his power and might. I worship whenever I, every day I worship God. So I worship the names of God. Elohim, Yahweh, Yahweh, uh, uh, Yahweh Shammam. All the names I just use while I worship the Lord. Meaning that he is what he is. So Yahweh, Elohim, that means his power and might. You know, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God. Right? In the beginning, God. So uh, that is God, Elohim. So if I, uh, if I interpret the word, in the beginning, his power and his might. That makes sense, isn't it? In the beginning, his power and might. Another one, in Psalm number 19, verse 1, heaven declares the glory of God. So heaven declares the glory of his might and glory of his power. So that makes sense, you know, when you worship the Lord. So that's the way it should be. So who, who, that is the God who created all things and out of nothing. In fact, Elohim is often used for God in the early chapters of Genesis more than that. Secondly, the word integrity you find in chapter 2. Well, chapter 2, verse 3 and 9. So what does the word integrity mean? In Hebrew, it is Tuma, T-U-M-M-A. Tuma appears several times in the wisdom literature in the Old Testament. It means the wholeness, completeness, soundness. That is the integrity. Now, what is the Christian word? What is the Christian integrity means? Well, if you want to write down, write this down. This is beautiful definition. Christian integrity has been defined as the absence of the compromise and the presence of biblical conviction. What a beautiful definition. What a beautiful definition. Let me say it again. Christian integrity defines in this way. Absence of compromise and the presence of biblical conviction. Absence uh, uh, absence of compromise and presence with biblical conviction. Uh, you know, there are many characters in the Bible. You find that, like Mordecai, like Esther, like uh, um, uh, 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 Daniel, Sadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Absence of compromise, but presence of biblical conviction. Another word you find in chapter 2, source, you know, Job had a source all over, right? In chapter 2, verse 7, and that Hebrew word is rah, R-A-H. Source produce itching. That's what happened to Job. Job encountered source, produce itching, chapter 2, verse 8. Degenerate. Changes in face is skin. Job did experience loss of appetite. Chapter 2, 3, verse 24. Depression. Chapter 3, verse 24, 25. Difficult breathing. That is a sore produces that. Dark eyelids. Uh, chapter 16, verse 16. Foul breathe. Chapter 19, verse 17. Weight loss and continual pain. That happened to Job. So the word sore brings all the meanings, all the meanings. And the sin, we know that word sin is hata, means to miss the mark, to miss the way, or to go wrong, or to uh, go to astray, like a person who is bow and arrow misses the mark. So that is the word sin stands for, that missing the mark, 
This is what sin is missing the mark of God's word. It means one's life falling short of the God's standard. Well, these are the words had been used in chapter 2. Well, let's get back to chapter 3. It's a wonderful chapter. You know, when you read chapter 3, you identify yourself. So far, chapter 1 and 2, Job is up here. Up here. And when you see Job, God himself testifies about Job, that there is none like Job in the whole eastern region. Even though he was a mighty man, his character, everything, he was without, he was blameless, righteous, upright, everything, you name it. So you think about, how can I go up to that standard? But when you come to chapter 3 and then rest of up to 38, Job identifies with us very much. And when you read chapter 3, he speaks me. He speaks to you just like who you are. And the title for this chapter is, I want to die. I want to die. Here was Job, whom God acclaimed with the highest. Now he comes to the level and he said, I want to to die. We'll find out. We'll find out what happened. Charles Spurgeon had gone through that. Same what Job had gone through. This is Charles Spurgeon who wrote, I am subject to depression so fearful that I hope none of you ever get to such extremes of wretchedness as I go to. We all go through, friends. We all go through, and Job has gone through, and we'll find out. Um, in the way of introduction, Martin Luther, the great reformer, he told the parable. It's in, very funny, but it's very interesting, but it's, it is the truth. Martin Luther told a parable in which the devil was listening to his demons. <laughs> this is his imagination, demons. Demons came to report their progress in destroying the souls of men. I'll go slowly, okay? Listen to this. One evil spirit said, there was a company of Christians crossing the desert, and I loosed the lions upon them. Soon, the sands of the desert covered their corpses. So, lion killed them. But what good is it? Barks Satan. Lion destroyed their bodies, but their souls were saved. It is their soul I am looking for. It is their soul I am after. Another unclean spirit gave his evil report. There was a company of Christian pilgrims sailing through the sea on a vessel. I sent a great wind which drove the ship on the rock. And every Christian abroad, aboard were drowned. <laughs> Satan shouted, what good it is. Their bodies were destroyed, but their souls were saved. The third fallen angel stepped forward to give his report. For 10 years, I've been trying to cast one particular Christian into deep despair and depression. At last, I have succeeded. And with that report, 
the corridors of hell rang with shouts of triumph. The sinister mission had been accomplished. The soul of a believer had been defeated. Do you do get the picture? Do you get the picture? The soul will never die. Body will. Body will. But Satan is interested to defeat the soul. Bringing depression and discouragement. That's what you find in chapter 3. That you find in chapter 3. Beloved, this is a fictitious story, but it does reveal the truth about Satan's evil intention to destroy the souls of men. Souls of men. He gets two words, depressed and discouraged. How many people's faith shipwrecked because of depression and discourage? This was Job was facing under vicious assaults of devil. The pain the patriarch had sunk into deep despair. Although initially responding with unflinching faith, Job's faith was amazing, unflinching faith. He began to weaken under the relentless attack of the devil. This is the reality of power of Satan, friends. We learn in one devastating ambush, Job's family was stripped away. His possession was taken away. His children were taken away. A, 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 a powerful man became pauper. The, and the Job responded unending faith in the sovereign God. God gave and God took it. Blessed be the name of God, chapter 1. There you see Job on a high plane. Then, then Satan reloaded his arsenal and unleashed his attack, again ravaging Job's skin from the, from the crown of his head to the soles of his feet. Under this assault, Job was devastated physically. So much so he has to go outside to the graveside where the, where the, where the burning was there. He took the scrape and then he tried to scrape his pain. Can you imagine? No painkiller was there at that time. You remember that. And Job's skin for skin was gone and he was assaulted by devastated physically and all these things. And... Uh, even though in the midst of all this pain, his beloved wife came, cursed God and died. And he says, should we not expect bad things from God? My friend, that is where the Lord would have us understand who God is. Okay? Always understand who God is, not what God does for you. When you understand who God is, you can hang in all through the eternity. But if you believe only what God does... I question about your salvation, tell you the truth. Because experience doesn't build a character. Experience varies from person to person. Thank God for experience. But you can't build your character on experience. Or you can't build your faith on experience. That is the subjective reality. We need objective truth. And objective truth will never disappear. Remember the disciples came uh, in, in Luke chapter 10, verse 30. They were rejoicing. Oh, in your name we have, we have cast out demons and healed. And Jesus was unmoved. 
probably disciple thought that Jesus would say, thank you, oh, what a wonderful you are. But he wasn't moved. What did he say? Rejoice, rather, your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. That will never be erased. That will never be erased. So Job experienced that crushing reality of life. A heavy cloud of despondency settled over him. Despite his initial response of unshakable trust, chapter 2, verse 10, he began to weaken under excruciating trial. He soon desired death over the painful experience. That is the reality check. That is the reality check. This whole, this is where we find Job in chapter 3. As he collapsed under the weight of disparity, beloved, every person, now listen, this is very practical, my beloved. Listen very carefully. This is very practical. Every believer, every pastor has a breaking point. Every genuine believers have point at which they can become severely discouraged. Severely discouraged. I remember two characters in the Old Testament. It's marvelous, marvelous. And I want you to turn with me so you understand what I'm talking to you. Turn with me to um, Numbers chapter 11, verse 10 to 15. Numbers chapter 11. The fourth book in the Old Testament, beginning. Numbers chapter 11, verse 10 to 11. Now mind you that Moses was the humblest man by God's own verdict or testimony. Right? But Job's uh, emojis, another side, he was just like us. So someone can read loudly this and, and slowly and let's un, try to understand Moses. Uh, chapter 11, verse 10 through 15. Thank you, Pastor Marty. Do you understand, Moses? Have I given birth to these people so I have to bear all these things? Kill me, Lord. I don't want to live. That is the part Moses came to. That is the reality check. The disparity, despondency, discouragement, always he's so high that a person cry out, Lord, kill me. I don't want to live. Job came to that. Elijah, fire brought down from heaven. According to his word, there was no rain. And then 
Turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 19, please. Word, verses 1 through 4. 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 1 through 4. It is not easy, my beloved, to go to that point. What Moses went, Elijah went. And I believe it's your testimony some of you had gone through. First King chapter 19, verses 1, 2, 3, 4. Someone can read loudly, please. Thank you, Linda. Do you see Elijah? Do you hear what he says? Lord, I'm no better than the prophet or the, my ancestor. Take my life. He has come to that point. That was Satan was interested. He was not interested in killing the bodies. He was interested to put them down, depressed, discouraged, so they gave up. There is one verse in the scripture. It's very interesting. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25. Proverbs chapter 20, 12, verse 25. This is... Uh, Oh, someone can read, please, loudly. One verse. Heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop, but a good word maketh it glad. Thank you. Now, do you understand these two words? This old English is very hard for us to understand. I, I, I read several times, and I tried to compare other translations, and went to the original language. What, what, what is good word and all these things it says? The heaviness. And the stoop, what does it mean, heaviness? Well, the Greek, the Hebrew word is heaviness means daga, D-A-G-A-H. Daga means anxious, anxiety. Okay? Stoop, the word stoop, in, uh, King James Version says stoop. stoop. Uh, in Hebrew, it is sakha, S-H-A-C-H-A-H, sakha. Means depressed. Means depressed. So, New King James Version translates that verse, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, and the good word makes it glad. Good works make it glad. Job after flying up in the air, 
Now he's coming to the level where he said, I want to die. I want to die. Such disparity can cause a person to want to give up in life. Want to give up in life. Maybe you can relate to this. Maybe you are tired of constant pain and suffering. Maybe you are worn out by heaviness of your trials. Have you ever heard so badly that you wish you would go to heaven quickly? Have you? I was. And I'm every day. I understand. Every time when the pain gets it, I call my dad. I said, Father, come and take me home. Bring Ma with me, with you, and usher me. I'm so tired. I'm sure this is my experience, but I'm sure you also might have experience in your life. That when you come to that point, you look up and say, Lord, it's not worth. Will you please take me? I'm tired. I'm tired. Every day I cry. I ask Hasu, don't pray for healing. Pray that Lord would usher me quickly. When you come to that point, you just look up and say, Lord, I can't handle. Can't handle. That's why the book of Job is so precious. How did Job find strength? Even though he was going through disparity, despondent, discouragement, losing everything, even his wife's support was no more there. How would you live? I thank God for my wife, his, her support. But there are many, many who have no support. How would you handle? <clears throat> How often we feel that I wish we would be in heaven. Or have you ever despaired to the point of longing for Christ to return? That is precisely what Job was. He was longing for relief, even the relief of death that would usher him in the presence of his Redeemer. Job did not want to take his life. Remember that. In spite of all this, Job did not want to take his life, but he had no desire to live. He had no desire to live. That's what my pain management doctor said, that your pain is a suicidal pain. When people get that kind of pain you have, they always think of killing themselves. But because you are man of God, you would not go that route. That is the reality. That is the reality. So what do we learn? There are three things in this chapter we learn. Job wishes that he had never been born. And he could die. So this chapter 3 reminds us three things, but we are going to cover only one. Weeping, his weeping, his wailing, and his woe. His weeping, you find in chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. 
His wailing is chapter 3, verse 11 to 19. And his woe in chapter 3, verse 20 to 26. Well, that leads us to the very first point. His weeping. Job was a real man. Real man weeps. Real woman weeps. Job curses the day of his birth, wishing it had been blotted off the calendar. You know, how far Job had gone in his pain that he wished he would never been born. That is a reality check, friends. One, chapter 1 and 2, you find Job is flying in ninth heaven. And now in chapter 3 onward, he comes to the level where you and I can identify. One or the other way. One or the other way. And you know, Holy Spirit writes chapter 3 verse 1. After this, stop. After this. Whenever you interpret the Bible or try to understand the scripture, always go what had been said previously and what has been said afterwards. And then you take the word and try to understand. So when the Holy Spirit writes, after this, so stop and think, what is after this means? Well, let's go back what happened. After this means that in the context, losing his own possessions. He lost all his possessions. He lost all his servants. He lost his all, whole estate. He lost his family. He's lost his health after this. That makes sense now. Now that makes sense. Job opened his mouth after losing everything. He opened his mouth. He opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. Curse of his day of his birth. Job's grief and turmoil were so great, so severe, that he wished he had never been born. What a comfort for us. That when we go through, we have someone who is parading in front of us where we can find comfort. You know, my friends, when I was in the seminary, I was um, in my final year, I had to write the thesis. And I chose the subject, it was a big subject. And my, all the chapters were approved by one professor, but the other professor was in America. When he came, he rejected. And I was just down. That means I'm leaving seminary. I'm not going to be graduating. I locked my room. I sat and I cried. And I just, I did not go to cafeteria. I did not go to eat anything. I was just very devastated. I think that that couple of days I have to pack up and go home. That's the plan I had. My praying friends, they found out I was not there in the room, in the in cafeteria. So they came and knocked the door. Hesitantly, I opened the door. Just like Job's friend, they came and sat. And then they opened their mouth and they said, Solomon, we heard what you're going through. 
But we want to let you know that you are not the only person who is going through. There are many who had gone before and many will go after. How do you handle it determines your destiny. I never forgotten that. I never forgotten. So when you read the story like Moses, like Elijah, like Job, when you go through, you are not the alone. There are many people who have gone before you, and many will come after you. Your top of that, your neighbors are watching, top of that, your children are watching, top of that, your grandchildren are watching how you handle it. What kind of example you are laying before you, before them. So when they go through, in their future, in their life, they can see, yes, my papa, my mama had gone through. And how they handle, I can do that with God's strength. That is worth living. What kind of example we put before? Chapter 3, verse 2 and 3, Job answered and said, my May the day of my birth is a reference to his mother's delivery of him. When he came into this world, he desired that that day perished to be, or to be permanently removed from God's calendar, leaving him in a non-existent state. The disparity, discouragement brought to that point in Job's life. That he wished that his mother would not have delivered him. He desired that he could have avoided being conceived in his mother's womb. Can you imagine how discouragement can take toll in a person's life? Chapter 3 verse 4, Job hoped as as a thick darkness surrounded the night of his birth, he longed that it not be included among the days of his year of the year, nor be en entered in any of his, or any of the months. Job wanted that night in which he was delivered removed from human history. Oh, Job. I'm glad the Lord did not answer. He longed for that night, his birth to be erased from the past. Chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. Instead of a shout of joy at his birth, he requested, may that night be barren and empty. Barren and empty. Job hoped the curse had been powerful enough to rouse even the mythological sea monster who was capable to devouring the large objects. He wished that could have happened to him. Chapter 4, 3, verse 9. The poetic language continue as Job cursed the day of his birth by stating, may is nothing, may is morning stars become the dark. May it look 
for a light, but it was vain. The phrase morning stars is the reference to the planets and the stars, which blanket the atmosphere before the rising of the sun. The first rays of dawn, literally uh, the morning stars, the slow rising and the sun in the sun coming. The reason Job cursed the day is that it did not shut the door of the womb on me, he says. The day of his birth was allowed and did not stop his exist from his mother's womb. Oh, friends, the despair, this depression can take any person to that level. We see Job's other side of his life. And he said, I want to die. I want to die. How would you handle? How would you handle? Not in our own strength. You know, praise God that we have the Holy Spirit indwelling in us. Praise God that we have a Holy Spirit indwelling in us. That's why we have one who dwells in us is the greatest than the one who is in this world. Always remember that. Always remember. Discouragement does come and it takes toll in our life. But it's fine, it is good to find like-minded man or a woman and share your concern. Don't carry. Let it out. Never compare yourself with other people. That's another thing. You know, when you, when you read Elijah, why did he ask Lord to kill him? Because he was a mighty man. He poor, he, uh, uh, 400 prophets of Baal, he slaughtered and uh, rain stopped and everything. And all of a sudden he says, and when, when Jezebel sent the word, tomorrow you will be dead meat. What do you read? Elijah saw Jezebel and forgot to see God. And then he began to compare. I'm no better than other people. Never do that. Never do that. Otherwise, you'll be deep depressed, going in deep depression. Find a godly man, find a God like-minded, and pour out your heart and serve it and pray. You know, when we in Bakerville, when we were going through such a hard time, thank God for Marty, Pastor Marty. He stood with us. I was able to share every week, pour out my heart, and he would weep with me. What a comfort, what a joy. That was someone who understands me and lifted my spirit. Find someone when you get discouragement. Don't carry the burden. Otherwise, you do nasty things in your life. You will regret for the rest of your life. When you get down in your spirit, never make a major decision of your life. Otherwise, you regret the rest of your life. Never do that. And it will affect your whole family. Never do that. 
always remember whom you belong to whom you belong to you are the son of the king of kings and the lord of lords you are purchased possession of heaven you are not your own and for you and for me the best is coming Amen. hang in there Amen. fasten your seat belt don't lose it otherwise the lord will give you a ticket let's pray lord we thank you very much for job moses elijah and countless servants who are parading before us who had gone through what we are going through sometimes sometimes it is hard for us oh god you know that but lord we are so much blessed to have such a parade of your saints who have crossed the boundary and said hey you can do it because god is faithful help us oh god that we may keep on looking the one who is a pioneer and perfecter of our faith bless our time of worshiping now as we get into the service and prepare all of us and those coming to the house of god may all see the glory of god in the face of jesus christ bless the truth your servant preaches in christ name we pray amen or uh, this night at 12 o'clock we are leaving for chicago i will covet your prayers because i like to drive in the night because nobody's drive nobody's uh, building anything on the road so you can go and no big trucks are there so we can go so 12 o'clock we are leaving so hopefully in chicago we trying to be there at 2 o'clock, 1 o'clock that time hopefully god willing so pray for us as we leave so two weeks we will not have a bible study but when we come back we will have bible study so pray for us as we go and our son is driving from florida so pray that the lord will bring him safely